Maverick News, the antivirus program for your mind. And now, the Freedom Reporters. Good evening, Maverick family. Welcome back to the Maverick News channel. Hello, new viewers as well. Great to have everyone here tonight. A lot of news in store for you this evening. And a couple of uh, Freedom Reporters will be joining us as well. Matt, the Unseated, will be along uh, to give us some insight into what's going on with the Freedom Movement and the Nonvoy, Convoy, Convoy, Nonvoy that is sort of still happening. Anyway, he's been looking into that and has a report for us. Uh, Joseph Lennard, a conservative, to be sure, will be here as well uh, very shortly to talk about or to give us uh, his perspective on the situation with the Israel-Hamas-Palestine-Hezbollah conflict, which continues to escalate. We'll update the story about the president of that Detroit synagogue who was murdered outside her home yesterday. Justin Trudeau is in deep, deep trouble. The liberals' own polling shows that they continue to slip in popularity with the public. And Anthony Fauci, the good doctor, is coming to Canada. And protesters are getting ready. If we have time, we'll show you that 99-year-old gentleman who scaled the CN Tower yesterday. We didn't get a chance to show you that yesterday. I did mention it. If we have time, I'll show you. Um, and uh, that's kind of where we're at tonight. We, we might have a few other stories to share with you as well. I'll be keeping tabs on everything going on around the world as I have one eye on the news wires and another eye on that camera where you guys are. So don't go away. I will be right back after these messages from our non-sponsors. Well, a message from me to you. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching.
Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, so we know that uh, tonight trucks carrying aid have entered Gaza for the first time since the uh, war between Israel and I'll say Palestine, Hamas, uh, began. Um, and we know that Israel is ramping up its attacks, although some of that uh, action has been, I think, scaled back or delayed is probably a better word at the request of the U.S., I think, to allow more time for negotiations to take place on the hostages. But we do know that thousands of people have died, thousands more injured. At least 1,400 people have died and 4,600 others injured in Israel. Another at least 4,650 more, probably more, have uh, died in Gaza. And uh, an estimated 14,000 have been injured in Gaza. It's uh, a tragedy, one of the great tragedies of our time, maybe one of the greatest. And it continues to evolve. Later in the broadcast, as I say, Joseph Leonard will be joining us. He has been publishing, writing some articles about the situation in the Middle East over the past week. He's also the author of Terror Strikes, a book that uh, we featured on this program a few months ago now. And uh, so he has a unique perspective on all of this. And uh, we, uh, we welcome his input tonight because of all of the protests we see happening around the world and right here in the United States and Canada. When we see images like this, video like this, it certainly, it is certainly a concern for Canadian residents and U.S. residents as well. But this was Toronto yesterday as pro-Palestinian protesters tried to get past police in order to block the Gardner Expressway. Things got pretty heated and weapons came out with police, uh, police action escalating there. Here we, go. we seem to use some sort of weapons here. We seem to use some sort of weapons here. Very, very volatile, as you can see. Uh, the police officer raised his weapon, pointed it at the crowd. All it takes is one split second, one decision. And the tragedy escalates. Uh, 
emotions are running high. So we'll save a lot of this information until Joseph joins us later in the broadcast and, uh, and we get his views on these things. Um, now, let's move on and talk about Dr. Anthony Fauci. This one, I don't know if any of you have heard about this yet or not. This is all fairly new information. Um, we're, I think, among the first to report this. But Dr. Fauci is coming to town. Well, to Hamilton Town, that being St. Joseph, St. Joseph's Healthcare, Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, that is. He is the center of a big dollar fundraiser. So, as a result, I know that a big protest is being planned for, I believe it is November 22nd, yes, at Leuna Station, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. That is where Dr. Fauci will be speaking at this fundraiser for the St. Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton and Hamilton Health Sciences Foundation. It will take place in the Grand Central Ballroom of the Leona Station. A cocktail reception will be held at 6 p.m. on November 22nd, followed by dinner at 7 p.m. Tickets are, brace yourself, folks, $300 per person. And sponsorship opportunities are available. And what do those look like? Well, check this out. Okay. Wait till you look at the dollar signs on this. Here's the uh, here's the website. An evening with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Oh. Not for the common man, not for the common person. This would be for the elite of the elite. And when I mean the elite, I mean the well-heeled, the rich. <laughs> okay, so he was a familiar face on television, it says here, offering sage counsel to the United States of America amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Dr. Anthony Fauci will visit Hamilton for a one-night-only speaking engagement benefiting infectious disease research at St. Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton and Hamilton Health Sciences. Presented by Leona, Dr. Fauci's talk will take place in the Grand Central Ballroom at Leona Station on November 22, 2023. A cocktail reception begins at 6 p.m., followed by dinner at 7 p.m. Tickets are $300 per person, and sponsorship opportunities are available. So let's take a look at those sponsorship opportunities, shall we? Oh, here they are. If you would like to sponsor this, the presenting sponsor, the cost of that is $50,000. 50 grand. Now, if you just want to be the fireside chat sponsor, which gets you one table of 10, 
in a prominent location. A full-page ad inside front cover of program, admission to VIP reception, photos and meet and greet with Dr. Fauci, and logo recognition. Well, that will cost you 25 grand. If you are the presenting sponsor, by the way, for that $50,000, you get two tables of 10 next to the principal table, full-page back cover ad in program, admission to the VIP reception. You get to have your picture taken with the good doctor, and you also get logo recognition at the event and in the media release. Isn't that exciting? Or you could just be a dinner sponsor for 25 grand. You could be a VIP reception sponsor. Again, you get a table of 10 in a prominent location and all the other bells and whistles that go with that. And you could just, I mean, if you're, if you really want to slum it, well, you can sponsor the event by being the cocktail reception sponsor, which probably sounds like a lot more fun anyway. And then you would get four dinner tickets, a full page ad in the program, admission to the VIP reception. You get to have your, still get to have your picture taken with Fauci. I wonder if they're going to let other people get their pictures taken with Dr. Fauci. Bet you they do. I don't know if they let other people get their uh, pictures taken with Dr. Fauci. I spent like 10 grand. I would be, I don't think I would be too happy. Hang on. I'm going to send this to myself. Somebody sent me this poster for the protest that is, um, the protest that's being organized in response to this fundraiser, which is not surprising. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're, uh, they're already planning a, a, a protest for this. But here you could be an espresso bar sponsor for five grand or a centerpiece sponsor for 10 grand or a, yeah, just be the wine sponsor. That's even more fun. Just uh, stand over there by the bar and hang out with the people who want to drink all the wine. Five grand. Corporate tables are 7,500 bucks. If you just want to be a partner, if you're really, you know, really short on cash, 2,500 bucks. And if you're just like, uh, if you're just a peasant like me, well, that's $300 for a dinner ticket. An evening with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yep, there it is. Okay, so let me just uh, scroll that back up a little bit. Let me get the, I need to, let me see if I can get a poster. Let me see if I can get you the poster. I think I have this here, the poster for the protest against Dr. Fauci. Some people not too happy. Here it is right here. <laughs> oh my God. Let me see if that pops up here. There it is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, pretty good artwork. Pretty good graphics on this. Here we go. Fauci coming to Canada. There it is. 
an evening with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Not today, Satan. <laughs> Wednesday, November 22nd to 20 and 23rd rally at 4 p.m. outside the Leuna station. Presented by Leuna. <laughs> I don't think that, yeah, they're presenting, yeah, but they're not, they're not the people behind the protest. So get out your flags, I guess, if you're going to go. At least you have some time to prepare. What's the date today? Yeah, the 22nd, so in exactly one month. Uh, it looks pretty good with the horns. But, you know, they should have done it on Halloween. It would have been, uh, would have just been perfect if it was like October 31st. Wow. But can you believe those numbers? So altogether, I mean, I don't know how many tickets they would sell for dinner, but at 300 bucks a pop, they'll be raking in the cash. They'll feed everybody rubber chicken, a few mashed potatoes. Um, and you're looking at, I think altogether adds up to about for the sponsorships, $160,000. Not bad for a night's work. And plus, on top of that, everything they pull in from the tables, and less their expenses, of course, but they'll come away with a chunk of cash at the end of the night. Is he worth that, this guy? Anthony Fauci? Grouchy Fauci? Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Is that ridiculous or what? So it's just perfect, isn't it? So you have all this other stuff going on in the world with everybody just upset, jacked up, cranked up, <laughs> protesting in the streets. You have people protesting drag queen story times. You have counter protesters protesting against the protesters, calling for LGBTQ plus S rights. You have pro-Palestinian people. You have anti-Israeli people, you have anti-Hamas people, you have people out there screaming for, uh, you know, change in government. You have cops out in the streets everywhere just trying to, uh, to give us some order and some peace. And then they bring in Anthony Fauci. Oh, that's going to go over well. Can't imagine that would stir anything up. What a great idea. Let's do it right now. I can't help but feel that that's going to intersect with some other major event on the 22nd, 23rd of November. How much worse can it possibly get? I guess it could get a lot worse. Yeah, it could get a lot worse, I guess. I'd like to avoid that, but uh, it seems some people are just bent on pissing other people off. So brace yourselves. We have one month until I don't know what. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com.
Maverick News. The Antivirus Program. For your mind. Okay, now yesterday we told you about the, um, the murder of Samantha Wall, 40 years old. She was the president of the Isaac Agreed Downtown Synagogue in Detroit. Here, I'll show you a picture of her again. Bright, smiling face. She looks so friendly. That's her there. So the investigation continues. Police are asking the public to be patient. The police chief of Detroit saying people should not jump to any conclusions. But of course, her murder comes at a time with people at uh, an emotional high. And uh, it comes at a time as police across the country are doing their best to keep all people safe, especially people who um, are Jewish, Muslim, Palestinian. Just trying to keep everybody safe while everybody's out in the streets protesting. So she was stabbed outside her home and then there was a trail of blood that led right up to the house, I guess. And uh, the Anti-Defamation League of Michigan is also asking the public to refrain from speculating on the motive. But of course, because of the war in the Middle East and the response that we've seen here in North America and the calls for, honestly, an international jihad, it's understandable that people are wondering if this killing is somehow related to this global unrest that has accompanied the war between Israel and Hamas and now Hezbollah. Which I said right from the beginning, I said Hezbollah was going to be involved. And they are. So we'll keep our eye, one eye on that one too. Because that is a story that will be developing. What else do we have for you tonight on our list? Trudeau, Justin Trudeau. Man, he's in trouble, deep trouble. Their own polling program is saying that they are in trouble. And this is a story that is being, that is broken through global news in Canada. Let me share this one with you. He's sliding, continues to slide. He is in deep crap. Because Pierre Polyev is uh, kicking his butt. Conservatives lead voter survey at 39% as liberals fall behind. This according to an Ipsos poll. Let me just bring it up for you. Here we go. 
Fay suggests the Conservative Party in Canada news. continues to gain popularity over the governing Liberals. According to exclusive Ipsos polling for Global News, Pierre Poilievre's Conservatives would receive 39% of the vote if an election were held tomorrow. That's up two points since June. Meanwhile, Justin Trudeau's Liberal Party would garner 30%, down two points since June. And the NDP would take 17%. That's up one point. As for the party leaders, 40% of Canadians view Poilievre as the best candidate for prime minister, followed by Trudeau at 31% and NDP leader Jagmeet Singh at 22%. What we're seeing now is that the uh, Conservatives have a nine-point lead over the Liberals, uh, which is the biggest lead that we've had them any time since probably uh, around the time of the SNC-Lavalin scandal back in uh, 2019. So it's a big move for them. Uh, the uh, NDP trailing you know, in, in third place, about the same level as they were in the last election campaign, and the bloc looking pretty strong in the province of Quebec. Well, this is the first time we've really seen the Conservatives move up considerably. Uh, over uh, the Liberals and actually uh, create a gap that's big enough to suggest they may be able to form a majority if an election is held tomorrow. But when you take a look at why uh, Canadians are feeling the way they are right now, uh, real dissatisfaction with the direction of the country, particularly when it concerns the big issues that are on their personal agendas, which relate to things like, for example, cost of living, access to housing, and, uh, and inflation. So a real economic uh, uh, set of concerns that have uh, uh, really caused concern for voters. But also we're seeing that the shine has definitely come off the prime minister. Uh, this is the first time we've seen Pierre Polyev with a significant lead over the prime minister as best prime minister. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of things that are aligning well for the Conservative Party at the moment. What we're seeing, this is the first time that uh, Canadians have strongly said that they prefer Pierre Polyev as their next prime minister as opposed to Justin Trudeau. Uh, what we're also seeing is that it's not only on the big issues that people are concerned about, like, for example, housing, uh, you know, who's got the best plan in terms of uh, dealing with the economy, but even on things like, for example, that you would think the prime minister would ha should have a strong lead on, like, for example, healing the divisions in Canada, Polyev's leading him on that, he's leading him on trustworthiness, and the prime minister is seen as more likely to have a hidden agenda than a, than a political leader that Canadians are just getting to know, Pierre Polyev. It puts a lot of pressure on the Liberal Party. And keep in mind that we conducted this poll after the Liberal Party had shuffled its cabinet, after they had uh, conducted their uh, uh, their caucus retreat, in which they came up with a bunch of new policy announcements about housing and a few other things, and also after the time of the, uh, the Conservative Convention. So uh, at the moment, the Conservatives really seem to have the momentum. Again, that report from Global News here in Canada, and Pierre Polyev going viral with that uh, How Do You Like Them Apples video that we showed you the other night. If we have time, we'll come back to that as well. Um, he's been getting some play on U.S. networks, on shows like Gutfeld. He's scored big points down there. If he could harness those conservative votes and bring them north, uh, he'd be a shoo-in for sure in the next election. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, our our conservative guest. He's a, I think he's still a MAGA guy. We'll have to ask Joseph if he's still if he still backs Trump. When we come back, Joseph Leonard. Here we go.
Greetings brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate. At freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. There's the man. Hello, sir. How are you tonight? Hello. I'm co- Before we get any into anything too serious, yeah. I want to provide your audience a sneak peek behind the scenes of what my whiteboard message will be for when I'm co-hosting Savage Unfiltered, our X-Space Saturday live stream, 10 o'clock. I'm going to be putting up the Send candy. I already ate all the stuff I was supposed to give out to the kids message. <laughs> well, ruining my teeth. <laughs> well, that's okay. You're an adult. You can you can do that. That's that's one of the privileges that comes with being a, an adult. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm supposed to know better. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm getting better, though. My dentist warned me last last visit uh i better so i'm i'm brushing after every meal now because he said my mouth is getting horrendous so i've got to take better care because you know your whole health starts with your oral health so (laughs) the obstinate homo sapien would not cleanse his oral cavity (laughs) Not sufficiently, yes. <laughs> you know, way back when, before brushing was ever invented, right? But we only lived to what, 30, 40. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I don't even have, I don't have, I'm cavity free. No fillings. Nothing. That's good. That's, yeah, I'm very lucky. Diet matters too, obviously. If you're getting all the sufficient nutrients, like the the K and the D that you need for good bone structure, and that that. Helps what about a lot. what about vitamin S, like for sugar? Yeah, avoiding yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, because like now that I'm an adult, I often eat my dessert first. Oh, <laughs> well. Okay. I, I'm getting too much sugar, and that's why now I've had to step up to brushing after every meal to make sure that sugar isn't sitting on there. You know? well, well, now, well, now that we've dealt with the important stuff, <laughs> well, let's move on to the topic of the day, which is the situation in Israel. You have been writing a fair bit about it um, and paying a lot of attention, and of course you've written... You, the, the book Terror Strikes, which is a book about terrorism, which ties back into, you know, 9-11 and the Middle East and 
all of these issues. So, Joseph, where, where are you at? What, what are you thinking about right now as we, we see the latest developments in, uh, in the Middle East? Yeah, well, the first and foremost thing here, I say if any of the moron university idiots who lack any historical perspective on the issue and are out actually kind of supporting terrorism, the rape, the murder, the kidnapping of people who have nothing to do with your day-to-day life, as an act of terror, uh, let's let's go back. They're out protect. Cease fire now! Cease fire now! You know, peace in pal. You, Israel, pulled out of Gaza in 2006. So you've had 17 years of a ceasefire and peace and self-governance of your state, whether it be officially labeled Palestine or not, who the hell cares? Minor hang-up, you elected Hamas terrorists to run the Gaza, who then what? Immediately canceled all future elections so you couldn't change the government and you know, because elections cost money. And that money, instead of doing a rigged election to make sure they stayed in power, meant they could put that towards more missiles, more guns, more IEDs, more anything and everything to kill the Jews (laughs) with, because this was inevitable. But you've had 17 years of a ceasefire in peace until the Hamas terrorists attacked the Jews in Israel because five times they have rejected a Palestinian two-state solution because the Hamas charter says they don't want a two-state solution. They want to kill Jews. (laughs) So, I mean, Hitler, Mein Kampf, Hamas, charter, They put it in writing, (laughs) but yet we're supposed to believe, oh, the Gazans are so innocent here. (laughs) Please don't attack the Gazans. You know, it's like 1930s Germany. You allowed Hitler, you allowed Hamas, they started the war, now you pay the consequence. You don't buy into the viewpoint that the land was stolen, that they're colonizers, and therefore what Hamas is doing is entirely justified? Thank you for bringing that up. History time. 169 AD, Roman Empire. The term Palestinian was first created. Now, I don't know the name of the emperor. I don't remember. I don't have my Roman emperor scorecard here. But 169 AD, the term Palestinian was invented for the first time. Last I checked, Judea existed long before that time. And the Romans 
label them Palestinians, a derivative of Philistines, as the occupiers of Judea. So if we're talking occupiers, the Palestinians historically are the occupiers of the Judea land. Okay, and then of course Britain then started labeling the Palestinian territory of where they were occupying Judea on the maps. Uh, there has never been, never was, and at the rate they're going will never be a Palestine because again, five times you had the chance, five times you rejected it. So the occupiers are the Palestinians occupying Judea, historically speaking. It depends on how far back you go, where you want to look in your history. Uh, you know, it's it's a question of selecting dates, right? And which well, which references you want to yeah. look at and the Bible is, <laughs> a, you know, so, oh my God. So 1000 BC, <laughs> On is the history I look at. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. The Palestinians, of course, only want to look at 19, what was it, 46, 48, when the official state of Israel was created in the Judea land. So, Joseph, how do you view the Israeli response? Well, so far it's been, uh, what are you waiting for? Uh, you know, uh, after 9-11, uh, would we have tolerated Canada telling us, go slow, you know, do a Bill Clinton, lob a few cruise missiles, and then, you know, that's it. Don't go too far. Don't really hit them back. No. Biden telling Israel now, you know, this proportional garbage. Yeah. No. You have to have... You hit us, we hit you 10,000 times harder. Peace through strength. Otherwise, it's going to keep happening over and over and over. Israel must go into Gaza and completely wipe it clean of all Hamas, like we had to go into Germany and wipe it completely clean, well, of most Nazis, right? I mean, there's no such thing as you're going to eliminate them all and their sympathizers, but you must remove them from their power and install mechanisms to prevent them from doing it again. That's the history lesson of World War One. some didn't learn. We, Wilson, the idiot, allowed the... Uh, Treaty of Versailles, because we in America wanted to retreat from Europe and say, okay, we helped you win the war, we're done with you. We're going back to taking care of America alone, which you can't do that, because what happened? World War II was inevitable because we didn't build a mechanism that would support a lasting peace. We didn't occupy the land. We imposed such a 
situation that a Hitler was inevitable. But post-World War II, we learned the failure of World War I. Germany was divided up to never become a World War threat ever again. Uh, and of course, now uh, Russia withdrawn and there's a united Germany again now, but they are no longer a World War threat anymore. And, you know, micro scale now to Hamas, Israel must make sure they can never again come to power to be a threat again. Because this is what? How many times has Israel been attacked ever since their creation by their neighbors, Hezbollah and Hamas? And this is a lot of blood on Biden's hands because he keeps giving money to Iran, who then turns around and gives it to Hezbollah and Hamas to do what? Not build up their own state, but to build up arms to murder Jews. It's a very unusual, well, what, what do you make of the two sides accusing the other of being Nazis with, with, with the accusation that it's the Israelis who are the true Nazis today? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, peoples who literally, I mean, I, I could show you the image of Hitler and the Mufti at the time. The Muslims of the Middle East allied with the Nazis, right, at World War II. Uh, and they thought, you know, well, Germany will indeed exterminate the Jews, fellow anti-Semites together, join together to exterminate the Jews and to free them of the British rule, okay? Uh, fast forward now, it's hilarious to see anti-Semites want to exterminate Jews, calling the Jews themselves Nazis. Now you can go to my Instagram feed, at Jay Leonard Detroit, and I've got one of those, you know, BB with the Hitler mustache. It is hilarious to me that anti-Semites, who in their own charter say they want to destroy the only Jewish state on the planet, that the Jewish state are the Nazis. It's hilarious psychological projection. <laughs> and what do you make of people on the left supporting Hamas and the Palestinian position? Well, yeah, that does not surprise me at all. Uh, if you read Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You, you will discover it's not just about foreign terrorists, and it's not just about the United States. It's about terrorism worldwide. There's a Toronto chapter, a Madrid, Spain, a London, England, a Tokyo, Japan chapter. But one of the underlying main points is that American, U.S., and Canadian leftists are worse than the foreign terrorists because they are trying to destroy the United States and Canada from within and institute their own fascist ruling elitism 
here. So it is not a surprise a lot of times that they side with the terrorists, those who hate the United States and Canada, because they loathe their own countries. So they have more in common with Hamas than they do you or I. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they align with them. And like, we, I thought you were going to mention the hospital. Well, yeah, number one. I'm getting there. Yep. Yeah. It was a Hamas rocket that they launched to attack Jews in Israel that failed and fell on a parking lot next to a hospital. That is the factual headline. That's not the headline you will read anywhere, though. Yeah, so let me just get the information on this here. I know that the Canadian government today... I saw you mentioned that. Yeah, yes. the Canadian government says it indeed was a failed Hamas rocket. So they're at least going that far. They're still not going... They're still calling it an attack on a hospital. It wasn't. It hit a parking lot next to a hospital, killing their own people when they intended to kill the Jews, because a lot of these rockets indeed kill their own people. These Muslims have no problem with the fact that they are killing more Muslims than they are actually killing Jews. They don't care. It, as long as they're still killing Jews, Muslims that die, eh, whatever, you know, it's a byproduct. Acceptable damage. Yeah, so the Canadian government is saying that it has a, quote, high degree of confidence that Israel did not strike that hospital in Gaza City on Tuesday. Uh, they conducted an independent review um, it was the Canadian military that did that, according to Defense Minister Bill Blair. He has issued a formal statement, and he says that Canada believes the more likely scenario is that the strike was caused by an errant rocket fired from the Gaza Strip. That, that is a legitimate, uh, proper delineation of fact there. And it, it's not likely uh, we, we literally have the Hamas terrorists uh, intercepts where they're discussing their failed rocket hitting it. <laughs> so there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Now, let me take a step back. If it were Israel and they did it and it was an accident, then I'm going to step up and say... Uh, because things like this happen. There are There is collateral damage, you know, but I would expect Israel, if indeed they did it, and satellite evidence demonstrates that it was an Israeli, uh, you know, whatever, errant uh, uh, Iron Dome rocket that went up to intercept another rocket, missed, came down, hit a hospital, which it didn't, hit a parking lot next to a hospital, not the hospital. But if that happened, I would expect them to step up and say there was 
an accident that happened with one of our armaments. We own up to it. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't a target. It's not a legitimate target. But there are going to be things that Israel strikes that people are going to question. Schools. There might be an actual legitimate hospital target. Schools. Uh, mosques. Uh, because Israel uses its weapons to protect people, and Hamas uses its own fellow Muslims as human shields against those they're attacking and know will strike back, that they then twist and spin as propaganda. Oh, look, they hit a mosque, because they did. They struck a mosque, I don't know if it was in Gaza or in... Uh, the, I think it was the West Bank. I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't dig deep into the story. I only got bits and pieces before we came on. It may have been in the West Bank, so even away from Gaza, a mosque where was harboring Hamas, a Hamas cell underneath it. And Israel came right out and said, we struck this mosque. There was an underground Hamas cell underneath in the tunnels that they build in the underground. They owned up. They hit the mosque. They intended to hit the mosque. Civilians are being killed on both sides. Oh, no question. But is that, is again, that not a war crime then committed by both sides? Not if when it's collateral damage on the part of one side not trying to commit war crimes. One side, you could argue that Israel is targeting civilians by bombing apartment complexes. That are harboring Hamas terrorists, yes. And there's going to be collateral damage. Those are legitimate military targets. There are weapons there. There are fighters there as opposed to Hamas that paraglided into a music festival. Zero military value raped, murdered, and kidnapped people from that. Now that is a clear war crime. Now the other, all right, we can argue there's gray, you were on my show to discuss gray areas, right? They're not intending to kill the civilians, but some civilians are going to be collateral damage because, again, Hamas purposefully, willfully, and malice of forethought hides their fighters and their weapons behind civilians to use as human shields. The other side isn't doing that. We don't do that. Canada doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have very strict rules of engagement. I know that. I'm not sure that they're always followed, but when they aren't, we do have a history of holding people accountable. In most cases, I don't know that, it, you know, I don't think our track record here is perfect by any means, but we do have a track record of holding people accountable when they commit war crimes. Yeah, no, no such thing is perfect. No yeah. such thing is perfect. Never going to happen. And sometimes, frankly, I think the United States has gone overboard 
and convicted uh, uh, some of our military members like out of either Iraq or Afghanistan where indeed there were civilian uh, deaths based on potentially bad intel. Well, who's providing the bad intel is the fault for that collateral damage and the person with the gun kicking down the door uh, with no malintent wasn't the person responsible for that innocent death. But yet, the lower level, you know, schmuck is the guy who scapegoated, right? So, you have peace. Uh, you you uh, kind of zoned do, in do, do, do you see any way to get to peace? through all of this. Is it, are, is it a lost cause over there? Oh, I wish it weren't, but it sure seems like it is. Because again, let me reiterate, since 2006, until you decided to start killing innocent Jews at a musical festival and others, raping, murdering, kidnapping children, have no legitimate military value or target, and you had a ceasefire and peace and your own governing rule for 17 years. You broke the peace, not Israel. You did. When this happened, there were many reports that came out suggesting that Israel had allowed this attack to happen, that because they had such robust security and intelligence, that there was no possible way they didn't see this coming, and yet they let it happen. Yeah, and well. in that way, they sort of shifted the blame for the attack onto Israel by doing that in, you know, through this information did, right yeah uh, did, what, did what? fdr bait the japanese into attacking pearl harbor some mm. still argue that they doesn't change the fact they attacked pearl harbor did uh, the clinton administration have sufficient information passed to the bush administration to intervene before 9 11 or was it allowed to happen the same there will always be these conspiracy theory arguments that our government in order to get involved could have stopped something but didn't so that we could go to the response but it's still rick you know what i want you to help me hold up the liquor store uh, but I'm not holding a gun to your head. It's still your choice. You choose to do that. It's still on you that you did it. Now, I know that's, that's a bad metaphor, a bad analogy. I understand, I, you know, just off the cuff, off the top of my head, throwing out, uh, you know, a, a, a defense to that argument, right? Federal entrapment. We're getting the, the Jan Sixers 
Ray Epps. They are provoked. There were federal agents inciting people to do things. Uh, now, if they did something illegal, they still made the decision to didn't do they finally, that. Didn't they finally charge Ray Epps with something? And, and then oh, wasn't yeah. there a subsequent lawsuit leveled by Ray Epps against uh, was maybe Fox News? Of course. Yeah, oh. it, it's the usual farce. Oh, well, look at Hunter Biden. They're still trying to do the, let's get him on the lying on the gun form, even though left fascocrats in the United States are, oh my God, anybody that has a gun gotta be locked up forever, except if it's Hunter Biden. And that's the, like with Ray Epps, let's, Here's here's the minor misdemeanor that will get you on so we can ignore all that other Biden crime family stuff. You know, it, it's a deflection. So, yeah, there's a commission of an offense uh, being levied and gone after, but ultimately it's the deep state deflection away from, don't look at that, don't look at that, don't look at that. Hmm. So that narrative that they were spinning up about the Israelis allowing it to happen plays right into this whole, I mean, the scenario is they allow it to happen so that they can then go in, basically level all of Gaza and then take the land. And they had the land. They gave it back. Why would they then want it again? I don't get that logic, but okay, for sake of argument, I, could, I don't know. Is it possible? Sure. Is it probable? I don't think so. But for sake of argument, all right, if, if they allowed something to happen, did they go and brainwash and hold Hamas people hostage and say, unless if you attack us so we can attack you back, uh, we're going to kill all these people. Hamas still did it. Whether it was allowed to happen or not, they still did it. Premeditated. There was no baiting there in this scenario. If we're to allow this conspiracy to, that it was, again, FDR and the intelligence the Japan, that Japan was going to attack potentially Pearl. And he purposefully put all the ships together to make it an even more attractive target. That is a theory. Was that correct or not? I don't know. Did we allow Japan to attack or not? I don't know. Feasible? Plausible? I hope not probable, but yeah, FDR wanted into World War II, and Pearl gave him the unmitigated uh, response to do that. Uh, well, so, I mean, regardless it, of all of this... We didn't hold a gun to Japan's head and force them to attack Pearl Harbor. They still did it on their own, of their own volition, premeditated, 
and with malice of forethought. If they should, they should have known better to think that, like, what was it, Yakamoto who said, I fear we awakened a sleeping giant. They no, should have let things be. If they didn't have the brain capacity to understand that mm -hmm. attacking us was going to be their own fault, then it's still their fault for doing it. Hamas knows Israel would strike back, but yet you did it. Now you want to whine that they're going to hit you back? Too fucking bad. <laughs> and in the court of public opinion, it looks to me like Hamas and Palestine have been winning that battle because they've been fairly successful in portraying the Palestinians as victims. And by throwing that theory out there, I'll just call it a theory that Israel allowed the attack to happen. I think they were pretty successful in shifting a lot of public, uh, a, a lot of the public blame onto Israel for the attack that was, was, was undertaken by Hamas, which kind because of- Because the left is predisposed to want to buy any excuse right. to blame the Jews for this. American yeah. leftists, whether they be in the U.S. or Canada, the leftists, again, fascocrats, as I call them, yeah. they are predisposed to want to align with anyone who hates us. And, and because Israel is our ally, we got to blame Israel. Right, because that's part of the self-loathing of the American, U.S. or Canada, leftists. For, for me, all of this has really exposed the real danger for Israel and, by extension, the United States. Because the public relations game that is being played here, the information war, it is, is really... It's, it's the Palestinians, Hamas, that have been winning that. And it has shown that if at some point public support for Israel erodes to a level where military support from the United States is pulled. It will. Now. It now will. now you have. if. It's when. Right. And that's why Israel is buying the we got to go slow to try to make sure Israel has to Israel be, they'll be it'll it'll be gone it they'll they'll they will wipe it off the face of the planet yeah. if there's no if there's no strength there to right. to push back against it and so that's, that's part of the whole thing as uh was it Gilda Mayor uh the Gilda, uh, you know who I'm Gilda talking Mayer, about Gilda yeah yeah I'm not pronouncing it properly said you know uh we can forgive them for making us kill their children, but uh, we cannot forget. I forget what she the, the, said. The, the, it's, it, I think it's it's if Israel. That's another. If 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 the Palestinians lay down their arms, there will be peace. But if Israel lays down its arms, they're all there dead. There will be no Israel. Exactly. Right. Now I don't know that that was Gilda. I'm thinking of another quote. But yeah, I was going to follow yeah. with that quote. If it's been shown over and over. How many t 
times has Israel been invaded? Has Israel invaded anyone? Well, now, you know, they did make a preemptive strike at, uh, on this, uh, in 68, was it? Uh, because they knew the Arab armies were again reamassing and going to invade, they had the you intelligence. You mean the war? In, yeah, the, the war in '67. You mean '67? I got yeah. the year wrong. Thank you for the correction. Yeah, mm -hmm. I got so many facts up here, I don't always yeah. get them out right. But it's okay. They preemptively struck because if they didn't, they might have lost that war. But the Arabs have made clear over and over, and do I need to repeat again, the Hamas charter calls for killing the Jews and erasing Israel. It's right in the charter. It's just like Hitler's Mein Kampf. It's, it's there. It's indisputable. But yet people, uh, no, 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 I, I, I don't believe what they're telling me. I'm going to take the terrorist view, even though they put in writing their goal is to kill all the Jews. It's in writing, but I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> yeah, and, and these are the same people who, uh, you know, get very faint and have to get the smelling salts out anytime you talk about Nazis, right? Yeah. And again, another, the leftists, right? You mentioned victim, mm -hmm. victimhood. Mm -hmm. That's the playbook. That's, yeah. They always always side with the, with the the oppressed, not the oppressor. Yeah. And uh, if and the Jews are seen as the oppressor because they've taken the land, they have the money, they control the territory, they have the military but they don't backing. Control the territory. But again, you know, they left in two thousand six. Seventeen years, peace, quiet, stability, your own rule over yourselves. But what did you do? You attacked Israel again. For what? The umpteenth millionth time. The Israelis, except for that one preemptive strike, have pretty much always been those who strike back. The defenders. They only defend, they go on offense as a manner of having to defend themselves against an attack that just happened. And again, if we wouldn't have wiped out all of Germany and the Nazis and removed that leadership, uh, not had the Nuremberg trials and, and whatever else, made the Nazi party literally illegal in Germany, there would have been another world war from Germany. The Nazis would have rose again and created another world war. It's uh, uh, and I forgot the other part I was going to go into, but you know, you got to learn that lesson of, oh, Iraq was the other, right? The Ba'ath Party, Saddam Hussein's mm -hmm. party. The Ba'ath Party was created out of the Nazis. They were allied with the Nazis in World War II. So following the last war in Iraq, the Ba'ath Party, like the Nazi Party in Germany, was made illegal, disbanded, done away with. No more Nazi Party in Iraq. And Hamas 
is the Nazi party of the Gaza, of Lebanon, of, funded by Iran. These aren't my feelings. This is all backed up by fact and evidence. And you know, the, uh, I think when people think of Palestinians pushing back against Israel, the, the image that I think st sticks in my head is always some young kid throwing a rock at a tank. That's that's the image. But, you know, as even though Those they're supposed to rocks. be the, <laughs> even though they're supposed to be the oppressed. I mean, look at look okay, at it is this. going to intercept this. So this is um, just a vid like these are rocket attacks against Israel. This is a video about, I guess, the Iron Dome and how it works. But, um, you yeah, know, this th is sophisticated these weapons. And again, thousands we of give rockets, money. Right? We give money to the Gazans, but. Hamas siphons it for weapons. Literally, we send money. Israel allows in money to supply the Gazans with water and electricity. And building, right? and they but send yet, in building materials as well yes. for construction. And I know that they do use the, instead of building houses or schools or whatever, they they use the pipes to build bombs and other weapons, you know, they all the different They even go stuff, so yeah. far as to dig up the water pipes. The only person depriving you of water and electricity is your leadership because they're literally digging up the water pipes so that would supply you water to make makeshift missiles out of. This isn't my feelings. This isn't conjecture. It's you know, videos of seeing and, them in the act. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be neutral on this. I don't I really want to take sides. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is, like. <sighs> I wish I could. It's just I understand the history beyond the 1940s, prior to the 19. Again, the word Palestinian didn't even exist before 169 AD. Jew, that existed long before that. Judea, that existed long before that. So who's the title holder of the land, really? And who really is the occupier? <laughs> well, it gets, I mean, history aside, I, I've, I've been saying, I think we need to Learn from the past, but accept that we have today's yeah. reality. We need to and be pragmatic. I, I think part of learning from the past is the two-state solution insistence and constantly attempting to trade land for peace fails every damn time. With Trump, we had the Abraham Accords that said, look, the Palestinians quote-unquote, if they want to be still called, even though there never was a state, uh, are just going to continue to attack Israel. That's the history. They're, so the Abraham Accords are saying, look, we're going beyond the two-state solution. The hell with them. What about peace between Israel and all of the other Arab lands? 
like was happening and going to happen soon, an official peace treaty and economic development uh, benefit treaty between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Why did this happen now? The Trump-Abraham Accords were working. So they dare say, no, 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 no. We got to stop that shit in its tracks. And here's German Chancellor Scholz lying on the ground during a rocket attack in Israel. Not a big UN guy, but if you want peace there, the UN insists its blue helmets are supposed to be peacekeepers. Gaza and Lebanon must be occupied by UN peacekeeping blue helmets. That's the only way there is ever going to be peace. The UN must be there preventing Hamas and Hezbollah from gaining the weaponry to again attack Israel. And the way we get there is with peace, Israel with everyone but Iran, of course, that's never going to happen. But Saudi Arabia and, Iran, and, uh, and Israel is a big step because then more Arab nations will say, look, you Palestinians have been given a chance so but, that then maybe we could get Egyptian, Jordan, and Saudi Arabian troops in blue helmets in Gaza and Lebanon to enforce peace. Muslims are going to have to enforce it, up to force it upon other Muslims because they've shown over and over they will always, again, 17 years, ceasefire and peace, always broken by one side. Always. Always. But you, you, and you know, if you put peacekeepers in there, you know you know what the left will say, and you know what the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas people will say. They'll say that it's just uh, a bunch of Nazis occupying the uh, the, the area Again, and, uh, the and exerting totalitarian yeah. authority, right? Groups that literally were aligned with Hitler calling everybody else Nazis. It's like in America, I call them fascocrats. It's not hyperbole. I back it up. Tinyurl.com slash fascocrats. There are 28 National Socialist Deutschland Arbeiter Party, the Nazi Socies, as Joseph Goebbels coined them himself. We shortened it to Nazis. That's where the term comes from. 28 planks are in the Democrat platform. Sure, it's much more flowery language. The obvious ones, gun control and confiscation, because an armed populace can fight back against the jackbooted fascist thugs wanting to put their boot on you. The other, government, fully run government health care. That's not about your health. That's about power and control. We love that, you know, we hate that your son, your daughter is cancer. We really want to help you out. Uh, but that's not an issue between you and your private health care provider anymore. It's government. And we, the deep state fascocrats, will help you 
only we need you to toe the government line on the you know rick you're just saying too many anti-trudeau things so you don't your daughter don't get the health care unless you tone it down that's what government health care is about power control coercion those are planks out of the nazi platform in the democrat platform and anthony blinken secretary of state saying tonight he does not know if those 10 american hostages are okay or not likelihood of escalation escalation by iranian proxies directed against our forces directed against our personnel uh we are taking steps to make sure that we can effectively defend our people and respond decisively if we need to and how can and what do you make of the situation with the hostages well you notice they released a couple of americans because Mm -hmm. again their audience is Joe Biden and Blinken, who, of course, want to try to have it both ways. Oh, we absolutely unequivocally support Israel, but don't attack the Palestinians. Don't strike back, even though they launched how many thousands of rockets? They kidnapped how many of your citizens? including some U.S. citizens, uh, and Biden, oh, yeah, we're sending another carrier group with the Navy SEALs, and we may go in and rescue our hostages. All show, both sides of their mouth, they're supporting the terrorists. Well, Joseph, is there anything else you'd like to add tonight or think that (laughs) I might have missed? We've covered a lot of ground. Back to the Planck thing again, socialized medicine, right? It it didn't come from the Magna Carta. It came from the communists, the socialists, the Marxists, the fascists. Uh, It didn't come from the Bible because we are to be our brother's keeper as a personal, charitable duty, not render unto Caesar that. That's not biblical in that context. That's out of context. Giving it to the government to do it is not what's there. That socialized medicine is not biblical. It's Marxist. Yeah. So um, I think we'll wrap it up there, sir. Um, Again, unless there's any other point that you, you feel is important to make before we we sign off and move on to other stuff? I've got a, another guest that will be coming on shortly, and but I want to give you every opportunity to make sure we've covered all the bases tonight. Yeah, well, yeah, we could do another six-hour marathon going into the speaker thing, going into uh, yeah. so many other things, of course, because a lot of senos are exposing themselves here in the United States. Forever they've been pretending to be conservative and complaining about rhinos. Things have got to change. Things have got to be different. you got to stop with the same old, same old swamp. Who's next in line? And when someone steps up and vacates the speakership and says, look, we're done with the same old stuff. 
we're demanding different. All of a sudden, the Sinos, oh, wait a minute, we really didn't mean it. We just wanted to complain about it. We didn't really want anything different. <laughs> well, we'll leave it at that. Thank you, Joseph, for uh, taking the time tonight to, to share your thoughts on this. I, I, I thought this was a great conversation. Uh, yeah, well, you always know how to light a fire under me. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I use that purposefully because I heard them talking on the radio. I, I love origin stories because we use all these phrases, and most don't know they're biblical. Atheists are quoting these things that are based on biblical axioms. But light a fire under them for your audience, a lighter note. Uh, no pun intended there with fire lighter. <laughs> Accidental pun. Uh, but that came from British chimney sweeps, right? The old days with the big fireplace, and they would put children down the chimneys to sweep the chimneys. And if they got paranoid about being stuck, they literally lit a fire under their ass in the fireplace to motivate them out. That's where that came from. <laughs> well, sir, thank you again for spending the time here tonight. We'll have you back real soon. All right. Take care, brother. God All bless. Right. Okay. Okay, folks, that's Joseph, and he will be back another day, and I will be back right after this short break. The New World Order Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Okay, so I mentioned that um, Pierre Polyev in Canada is really taking, uh, well, he's taking quite a lead over Justin Trudeau in the polls. And a lot of it is because of the kind of videos he's been putting out, I think. This, how do you like them apples video that we showed you a couple of nights ago. I think we were, again, I think we are one of the first to show it to you in, in Canada. Well, now it's gone viral. It's gone international. He's received, uh, Greg Gutfeld did a, a piece on him the other night. He's being, this video has been shown on, uh, Dan Bongino did, uh, did a whole thing about this. So he's getting all this international attention. And that also is, I think, helping him rise in the polls as well. I, I just want to run that video for you again here tonight because uh, it is a lesson in how to handle a pesky reporter. Um, they struggle to actually find young people to, to do work. And of course, housing is a problem and healthcare is a problem. As you was mentioned earlier, the hospital here gets closed quite frequently. Nothing to do with vaccinations, I don't believe. It's, it's a doctor issue. It's more a shortage of doctors. Um, so what do you do in the meantime? I mean, you've got lots of plans for, for building houses, et cetera, but in the sort of immediate spectrum, what, what do you do to 
create a, 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 a blue seal test to quickly license uh, the 20,000 immigrant doctors we have in Canada. Um, many of them are prevented from ever working and they give up on getting a job as a doctor and they end up taking low-wage work for the rest of their lives. Um, I'm, I'm proposing a simple blue seal testing standard that would apply right across Canada, take the test, get the license, get to work within 60 days. Okay, and I mean that obviously you're going to encounter some opposition from the College of, of uh, Medicine, etc. across the provinces. Yeah. That's so how do, how do you deal with that issue? You push forward. But there's not easy street leads to a dead end. Um, best uh, hard roads lead to the best destinations. We're not going to, we're no longer going to accept that this or that gatekeeping bureaucracy stands in the way of obvious common sense solutions. Um, the it is unacceptable that twenty thousand doctors can't work in Canada when we have a massive shortage. And when people come to me and say, yeah, but this or that clerk or bureaucracy is not going to be happy, that's life. Right. There's going to be a lot of vested interests and bureaucracies that are going to be very unhappy when I'm prime minister. Okay. Um, on, the, on the topic, I mean, in terms of your sort of strategy currently, you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, ap appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels, I would guess. Um, I mean, what certainly, you mean certainly, you, certainly, you tap, certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing. You know, I mean, it's that, that type I of ideological thing. I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I don't of really believe in that. Okay. A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump. Uh, well, like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. I, you must know somebody. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, some the the point say. of this the point of this question is, I mean, why should why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given you know? Not not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of Donald Trump's book, but what are you also, talking about? What page? What page? Can you give okay. me a page? Give me the page. You keep <laughs> in, saying in terms that. in terms of tur turning things quite dramatically in terms of of Trudeau and and the left wing and all of this. I mean, you 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 make quite a you know it's it's quite a play that you make on it. So I'm I'm not just sure. I don't under, I don't know what your question okay. is. Okay, then forget that. Why should Canadians trust you with their vote? <laughs> Common sense. Okay. common sense for, for a change. We're going to make common sense common in this country. We don't have any common sense in the current government. You know, the guy prints $600 billion, grows our money supply by 32% in three years. That's growing the money eight times faster than the economy. No wonder we have the worst inflation in four decades. I'm going to cap spending, cut waste, so that we can balance the budget and bring down inflation and interest rates. You'll want to be able to pay your mortgage again. You want to be able to afford rent. Then you have to vote for Pierre Polyev because I'm the only one with a common sense plan that will bring back the buying power of your paycheck. Um, second, I'm going to make work pay. Right now we punish work. You know, they're, always, they're asking, why doesn't anybody want to work? Because work doesn't pay. Why would you work when you get punished for working? Our country now punishes work. You make it, Trudeau takes it. 
I'm going to cut taxes so people bring home more of each dollar they earn. Housing. We have the fewest houses per capita in the G7. Why? Too much bureaucracy. We have the land. We have more land than any other country in the G7. Yet why, why do we have the fewest houses per capita? Because you can't get anything built. I'm going to require cities boost home building by 15% per year. Or they're going to lose federal money. But those that beat my target will get a bonus. So we reward good behavior and punish bad. That's common sense too. We're also going to bring home safe streets. People are going to feel safe in Kelowna. Kelowna is the worst crime in all of Canada after eight years of Trudeau and Singh. And I'm going to get rid of their, I'm going to bring in jail and not bail for repeat violent offenders, treatment and not decriminalize crack to bring our loved ones home drug free. And we're going to secure the borders to keep illegal guns out while protecting the rights of lawful licensed hunters and sports shooters. Going back to the, the drug issue, are you looking at to put any money into treatment? Because that's obviously yes. one of the big things identified. Absolutely. And that's a great idea. It's the only way out. Treatment is the answer. We need to bring people into beautiful treatment facilities. Uh, you know, I think of uh, one facility I visited in uh, Winnipeg uh, recently, uh, where the father of a, a young man who died of an overdose has created a beautiful facility where they, 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 they separate the addicts from their addiction, counseling, yoga, sweat lodges for First Nations, um, a fitness program, a job uh, placement after they leave and they're building housing right attached to the facility so that when they graduate, we don't just throw them back out on the street. We put them in supportive housing where they can come back, get some exercise in the gym, see a counselor and, and mentor incoming addicts so that they can have a nice, smooth runway to lift off again into a drug-free life. This is obviously going to cost quite a bit, and there's <clears throat> staffing yeah. issues involved in this, presumably. Yes. So my plan on that is I have a dollar-for-dollar dollar principle. Every new dollar I spend will have to be matched with a dollar of savings. So I'm going to cut the money the Trudeau government is spending on giving out um, high-powered opioids, uh, they call it safe supply. It's now clear that it's just being diverted and sold to kids to profit drug dealers and pay for fentanyl. Um, since that this experiment began uh, in BC, we've seen a 300% increase in drug overdose deaths and, uh, and 30,000 have dead, died nationwide. I'm going to get rid of that program, put the money into treatment not new drug handouts. I'm going to stop funding activists and bureaucracies and put it into frontline treatment. And finally, I'm going to sue the big pharma, the corrupt pharmaceutical companies who caused the crisis in the first place by flooding the market with OxyContin, which ultimately caused the people to become addicted right across North America. The Americans have now recovered $54 billion. We've covered almost nothing in Canada. So I want to recover those billions and put that money into treatment. Okay, enough. Enough. How are you, Matt? What How am I doing? I am swell. Thank you, good sir. And good to see your guests here as well. Mouth of the South and Curly May. It was great to see you both. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's great to have you back. You know, we're we're gonna talk a little bit about this convoy freedom movement stuff. I've actually been trying to not talk about it too much this week because it's sort of um i i just I've, i'm just tired of it and i don't know that it needs but anyway we're going to talk about it because i know that um 
a lot of people in our audience do want to know what's kind of going on. And you've been, you have been paying attention to it. You have been doing some investigation sort of research uh, to kind of dig down into some of the roots underneath. So what do you, what do you know tonight about what's going on with the convo? I don't, I sort of have a handle on where they're at. Do you have any sense of what's going on with this convoy that became a non-voy that they had this big plan that was very, so we saw, we say controversial um, involving some things that they should really not have been planning to do, but that kind of fell apart as we all know. Any idea where they're at? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know like their specific positioning or, you know, the next protest or anything like that. I, I don't know. I'm out of the loop on things like that right now. Um, and at the time I had made my latest video on it, it was on the Friday. So of course, you know, I had no idea what Saturday's turnout and stuff like that was going to be like, which this turnout from my understanding, I think it was way smaller, like significantly smaller than that million man March. Um, but I noticed that the banner, it said something about um, a million March for children or something like that, like, or mm -hmm. stop the war on children, something like this. Um, and so basically it's almost like you have million man March, save the children convoy concepts amalgamated into a poster. Right. Yeah. And with, 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 I think the, the people who put that poster together, stop the war on children. They they were, come on. They, they were trying to pull the controversy surrounding the Palestine Israel war into the messaging. It, it very clear to me at the time. Um, yeah. Well, they choose specific words for specific reasons is I think what you're getting at. Yes. And I mean, with all of those tensions, like, you know, Israel, Palestine, um, Russia, Ukraine, and or as well, you know, national socialists and parliament type of a thing, which we've also spoken about, it's just almost like more fuel to the fire. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Because the uh, the organizer, uh, the main organizer for the first nationwide million person, one million March for Children event, which brought hundreds of thousands of people out. They, they, they canceled. Their organization canceled what happened yesterday. But then you had these smaller groups still pushing ahead with their own events uh, through all their, their smaller organizations. And so we did see that yesterday, but much, much smaller. And they incorporated in many in many communities on the posters, the word war, stop the war on children. And then they called it 1 million March for, ch for children round two or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, basically it just seems again, like they're trying to do almost little pokes. It's almost like I, I saw some footage at one point. Um, I, I think it was Daisy media. But um, the person, I think it was Chris Dacey himself, was recording um, a, a protest. I'm pretty sure it was the LGB whatever movement. Um, 
but he seemed to get up very close and, you know, ask questions like, let me see your communist flag and stuff. And like, while, you know, I totally hold those views, don't get me wrong. It's like there is uh, a better way to approach things. Right. And I mean, he's sort of, I guess, for lack of better words, branded in the freedom movement. Right. Yeah. Um, and then others, you know, they, they kind of almost have their following their branding. So naturally with that freedom branding, if you will, the quote unquote political left is going to see you as an adversary or provocateur right off the bat. Right. Bearing that in mind, I'm sure he's well aware. Yeah. So I showed you the picture of the poster there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, using the word war, it was pretty clear to me that they were trying to connect the dots there to, uh, to, I think, boost their turnout. That's yes. my opinion. That's my opinion. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't know about linking the word war to Israel-Palestine personally, but to depict this as a war or a tense scenario, because the freedom movement rhetoric is always we're almost out of time, right, for X, Y, Z reason, right, well, because of our children in this case or because of, you know, uh, coercive medical procedures, which that's definitely an understatement to say the least, the passport, right? The reason, the reason I hold this view is because they changed the branding as soon as the attack happened in Israel. And then that poster came out. Um, so that that's why I view it that way. Right. The, the timing was just too coincidental to be a coincidence. Coincidence. I don't really believe in coincidence personally myself, yeah. but um, the way I kind of sum this whole thing up here is that uh, I'm just going to use the motto order out of chaos or ordo ab cal for those Latin aficionados out there. Um, basically with order out of chaos, you have to have, um, you know, a chaotic scenario that leads to, I guess, something tyrannical in, in this case, right? So to speak. So you need to, in the aspect of these movements and the way they construct what's going on, you have a side that is dedicated to order and a side dedicated for chaos, so to speak, right? And for lack of better words, right, the way I would brand how you mentioned the non-boy, if you will, but the way I, those kind of figurehead leaders, more or less, are operating and, you know, there is this plan, you know, which was, you know, supposedly leaked by Vets for Freedom, I think the reason why the plan was out there, so to speak, to begin with, and many people are talking about it in different aspects of it, is because it was never supposed to be a secret. There is supposed to be something in the air creating tension, and some of those things said might be true, might not, but we won't know until those moments. You know what I'm saying? If something were to occur, which you know, I hope it doesn't, frankly. So you have some people, so in terms of the order of the chaos, then you have some people that I think are directly involved in that kind of chaos, if you will. Um, and then you have the order faction of it, which are the people that are supposedly trying to present like the solution, right? And that's where you have a lot of these um, things where it seems almost like a parallel system is being built. And I'm referring to the Gather 2030 initiative. Right, because they talk a lot about direct democracy in these things. So, um, well, before we get know. into that, let's let's kind of just backtrack a little bit yeah. and um, explain that. Well, first of all, what was the plan? Can we explain that? That the plan that was exposed that was embarrassing to to the freedom movement and to this 
this group putting this new convoy together. Right. Yeah. So um, this plan involved um, in Ottawa, like different critical locations. Right. And um, at a meeting that I personally attended, this is in my video, right? They spoke about different locations that they would um, basically surround or more or less take control of in some way, shape or form. Ask people to surrender or arrest individuals. You know what I mean? Like pol politicians, you mean, or bureaucrats. Yes, or, or people working within, you know, government offices, the key pieces of infrastructure, right? And so those locations happen to be like the Privy Council, um, parla uh, Parliament Building, Justin Trudeau's residence, apparently, um, the Department of Defense, um, the Records Library, and a few others, I think. So... In a nutshell, what I just um, kind of thought is like, you know, this is, you know, the work of a revolution, so to speak. And re revolutions, you know, if anybody studied Greece or France, you know, what always happens in that of a revolution is whether a, a, a group of leaders or whatever is thrown out of power, the case is a new tyrannical system always comes into place that's generally worse than the previous one, right? And, and of course, if they're, yeah, and if they're making these arrests, they're certainly not doing it with proper legal authority. They're doing it based on their idea of what the law is supposed to be under sort of a common law ideology or, or framework. And this plan also did involve... Uh, they, at least they were saying in these meetings, they were talking about weapons. Yeah. So also I just want to say too, is whatever the, the surface level ideology is, and in this case, you through common law, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these ideologies and stuff can be weaponized. And like, as I, you had me on and I was talking about the new age and stuff like that and this good vibrations, right? You know, yeah. we're fighting the darkness. So let's bring the light. Right, that sounds very much like QAnon, which is actually Masonic in nature when you dive into it. But, um, you know, what I'm getting at is a lot of ideologies are just used in order to um, bring the movement together. And it's usually an ideology that's weaponized in some way, shape or form. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as we could see with that whole good vibrations thing, right, it was very Aldous Huxley, Brave New World kind of a thing, you know be carefree whereas some people you know might have different pieces of rhetoric that would be you know fear driven in and of itself you know uh but this kind of a thing is like a very passive it's a way of pacifying you you know in a very so different sense the, the so. point is that these people seem to be motivated at least some of them including some of the people who are leading it although they say they're not leaders uh, they seem to be motivated by this psychological manipulation that has been taking place through a very sophisticated information campaign. We'll, we'll sort of put it that way, that it's being delivered through social media largely. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, you can see that with, you know, this, well, you, you either can or you can't, but they're affecting you on a subconscious level through subliminal messaging, potentially, right, that we can't even 
that we can't even yeah. see, right? And so again, like I was getting at before uh, about things being like fear-driven and stuff like that, there's always this sense of we're, we're almost out of time or we have to do something fast before it's too late. And so the thing is, is, um, you know, it, it, it seems very much like they're throwing up the idea. And, you know, I, I don't personally believe that the system that exists was built for we the people, right? But the idea, though, behind that is that they're manipulating people who would think like that, right? And um, trying to almost sell almost like a different system, right? Oh, definitely. And yeah, they're certainly certainly promoting or these people are um yeah they've been in, uh, indoctrinated not the right word but they certainly believe that they want a different political system they do yes and you know you can even you can hear this in the language that they use going back to that ideology too right like in the um in a video that you had played on your show with Jeffrey Gibson talking about the shame on parliament non-confidence campaign or whatever, um, he was talking about a political revolution. He insisted, no, not a violent revolution, right? And now I'm not, I, this is not about a bone to pick with Jeffrey Gibson. I don't know the guy personally, but there has been no revolution that I know in my life that hasn't led to some kind of bloodshed or people being hurt in some way, shape or form. Um, so what about the sexual revolution in the, the sexual in the sixties of the sixties? Uh, yeah. well, I well, that's a different story. That's that's sort of social politics, anyway. I digress. Yes, yeah, those, those are the sure. kinds of revolutions that don't involve for sure. But all okay, so political revolutions, let's just keep it at that. Then, yeah, is that yeah, no, I've never seen any any political revolution being peaceful in any way, shape, or form, or just simply bumps on the road to get somewhere better. No, mm -hmm. no, that's um, almost a blatant lie right there. So, now do you mind if I dive into like what Gather 2030 is? Well, I guess? Just, just before we do that. So yes. just to kind of bring people to, to today so that we establish where we're at with this right now. Okay. They the the con they, they spent a year approximately or better going across the country trying to build up support for uh, a new convoy, right? To go to undisclosed locations, which it turns out appear to be Toronto and Ottawa. And Things sort of came together, but they didn't come together. And then the plan was leaked. We had Veterans for Freedom, um, a, another freedom fighter, prominent freedom fighter, Jody Ledgerwood, came out and exposed it as well. We spoke about the plan here. We, uh, before they even talked about it, uh, you know, we had someone who on our on the program called in who sort of spilled the beans on the weapons right um in, in a call in did it himself uh <laughs> so there was all of that that happened but the convoy sort of came together anyway and they ended up there where they're sitting right now where to today there was a, a, a sort of a mini convoy or yesterday a mini convoy that made its way into the downtown area of toronto this happening now uh, what they about almost a month this has been going on, and 
Police blocked off Queens Park, downtown Toronto, with dozens, if not hundreds of police vehicles twice, twice because they saw it as such a threat. But yesterday, still a small convoy made its way down into the downtown area while you had the Million March for Children, Stop the War on Children rallies taking place, in addition to all the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas rallies taking place in downtown Toronto. All this going on all at the same time. Then in Ottawa, now you have, for the past month, the convoy people have been sitting in camps about 40 minutes outside uh, Ottawa on farmland, just sitting there, sitting there. And on a couple of occasions, they've gone out to do sort of mini convoys around the town as well, but have not been able to get into the downtown area. Uh, the people there have been going into town, parking, paying for parking, and then walking into stage protests over the past, what, almost four weeks now. So today, this was the scene in that field, the main camp, I guess, outside of Ottawa, where they put together another little mini con. <laughs> So they're still trying to do something. So this gives you a sense of what it has come to after all of this, after a year of everything they've been working through. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's a big, big convoy, but they're there, guys. They're going to go past in town. You want to join there? Go on the 17 vehicles. No transport trucks. Ottawa. Not one transport truck. And come back. I think there were, what, three pickups? Yeah. A bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two sort of mini buses. The rest were cars. Back there, they both go up, up, they don't stop up. 16 vehicles. 
boy. Yeah, the, the hopium is real high here, let me say. 16. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, also, you you got to consider, too, I mean, that I think it's Kamal El-Sheikh was the organizer or face of Million Man March or whatever. I think he was the one who announced it was canceled, actually. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and then, yeah, that's probably why there was a small turnout. But, you know, I mean, people still carried on and did something, which doesn't really surprise me. Um, the thing I wanted to touch on too, just about with all these plans and stuff being, um, revealed, it's kind of interesting because, um, Jody Ledger would, she, I think she spoke about it herself, but she was interviewed by Jim Kerr, right? Jim Kerr of the bubble bus. I don't know if you know yep. who, if you're another freedom Jim. fighter guy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Jim Kerr interviews her and. You know, she broke down uh, the plan and that kind of a thing, right? And they both seem to be, you know, not really on board with whatever the non-boy was doing. And then yeah. you see a picture that I showed in my video, right, that has Jim Kerr, Maggie Braun of Gather 2030, which you're, uh, I'll get to, and um, Freedom George or Tyson Billings or whatever his name is, like Sidekick the Pat King or whatever, you know, right in front of the Privy Council. And it's like, all right, so I thought that like uh, you weren't supporting this dude, so I don't know. Um, things are just not really clear, clear there, but and you, it makes you wonder why the plan is even aired too, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean it came out, and uh, whether, yeah, I I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I, the plan was not a good plan. <laughs> Okay, yes. you should not. You shouldn't do stuff like that. First of all, you can get thrown in jail for it, for life, because it's an obvious attempt to overthrow the government. Um, that's what it is. That's what the plan was, and uh, yes. they they said. But you know, when you listen to some of the numbers and things, they're obviously not thinking straight at all. There's something wrong in the mind because they were literally talking about three million people showing up. Like, what are the chances of that happening? Like, zero. When it has any, when have three million people ever shown up for any pro? Show me one anywhere. Three million people in one place doing something like that. Three million. Yeah, well, uh, I I think it's also too just a poll to get people to come, and I just you know I don't yeah I don't I don't agree with with doing that whatsoever with fibbing or fabricating a little bit um you know to sell a sense of hopium or to bring more people or whatever it is right so because yeah. unless you really believe that then i guess you might be excused but that's you know uh then a question of if someone's competent or not with due respect right yeah um and then there was let me see if i can find this clip uh, there was the, well, I'll tell you what, let me take a little break here and I'm going to queue up footage from Toronto showing sure. you the, the convoy stuff that was going on there. So hang on. I'll be right back. I've got it here. I've got it ready to go, but we'll show it to you on the other side of this. Don't go away. 
Exile The Knights of Malta Maverick News Join us. The world is watching. Okay. You know, I, I, <laughs> that's funny to me, but I put that together because of Choosy, who always talks about exiling the Knights of Malta. But honestly, he, he makes more sense when I look at his stuff in the chat than just to put anybody, anybody else. So we do have to do well, that. All roads do lead through Rome. And in my track record of looking through people and players in the world and such, it always seems that people are either educated Jesuits or part of the fraternal order, the Knights of Malta. So, yeah, um, I don't think he's, I don't know who it was you're referring to, but he's probably not wrong. <laughs> Juicy. And Kim RS says, I exiled her hubby, pure knight. Yes, I did. Um, because he kept talking about violence. And then he wanted to, and I can't have it. I can't have even people in the chat talking about getting violent. And he kept doing it repeatedly. That's why. It's just that simple. I, I always liked him, but I can't have people in there talking like that. So, sorry. That's why I did what I did. I mean, I'd look at, you know, welcoming him back, but can't do that. Won't, 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 won't put up with it. So I'm very sorry, but not sorry because just the way it is. So, yeah, that's it. Anyway, back on track. So let's show you the, uh, show you the, the non well, this was in Toronto, so this is the other city that was targeted in the, the original plan. And then today, I mean, still again, people put together a sort of a little mini mini convoy thing. And this is what it looked like. This is Karim Assad, who uh, you know goes and shoots a lot of. She's at all these different protests in the Toronto Hamilton area. It seems I don't know where she finds the time. She's very very active with her online stuff on Twitter. You should check her out because she, uh, she puts a lot of work in. And, yeah. This is her camera guy that she takes with her. One, two. Four, five. And it seems they're organized. Again, about what, 15, 16, I kind of lost track there. About the same size. Or maybe more than that, because there's some on the other side too. I wouldn't go further than 20. Yeah, maybe, maybe 20 cars. In the downtown Toronto area. And it seems they're organized. 
And that guy in green looks familiar. Is he like some deep rap dude or something? Don't know. Don't know. You know, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, people want to protest. Cool. Go ahead and protest. Um, no issues with, with me doing any of that stuff. It's it's all fine. I'm not not being critical. I'm just at all. I'm just showing you what we've got. This is what, what it has come down to. After a year of planning, people literally driving back and forth across the country um, to... Uh, recruit people to build this thing up a whole year of, of planning. And it has really come down to this. So I guess there are a lot of reasons for that. It's because I guess concerns about the other protests with the uh, Palestinian supporters. And I mean, who knows why it is, why it's kind of uh, ended up like this, but any other further thoughts on that? And then we can move on to this, this other stuff that you want to talk about that kind of gets to the roots of it. Um, yeah, just, it's kind of interesting. Like, I feel like this is just not necessarily a dissolving point, but a break in this almost like filler in the story, if you will, so to speak, because, um, you know, they probably canceled some of these things for the reasons of, like you said, you know, Palestine, Israel, like uh, those kinds of protests and stuff like that. Um, but also, too, it doesn't stop people from going to those protests themselves, i.e. Chris Dacey or other media people, right, to go get footage and do what it is they want on their own time. And they're not showing up with big numbers. It's just small numbers of people, right? So it's not to say that they wouldn't do something if there was already protesters in place, like there were counter protesters, like those union protesters or whatever, in the place of the Million Man March, you know what I mean? Just because somebody is in opposition to what you're doing, that should be no excuse for canceling your your uh, event, so to speak, in general, right? But in this case, yeah, it makes you kind of wonder what's going on, but... Uh, yeah, and Alma J. Taylor says people have convoy fatigue, and I, I, I agree with that, man. I'm tired of it. Like, oh, we're gonna have another convoy and another convoy, and you know how many times have people gone out to convoy and protest? And I mean, it's just perpetual at this point. It's just, it's just also too the other thing I just want to say, just about protesting in general, whether you label it as a convoy or whatever, yeah. is um, it serves its purpose. Right. And I'm all for people doing it. I have no problem with it in and of itself. But I just think when you're dealing with things that, you know, revolve around Agenda 21 and that sort of a thing or UN agendas, you can't protest your way out of situations like that is just really the way I think. Right. So that's yeah. just kind of my, that's just kind of my take. Right. Because this goes beyond, you know, the scamdemic narrative or any one of these things that they've done to us, you know, children in the school or whatever it is, we can nitpick all of these little issues and stuff right here, but all these things always have a weird daisy chain of how they're all connected, right? Yeah, so. and Garvey says it comes down to who can afford to protest, Rick? Question mark. Yeah, I think a lot of people have run out of money. And I know, I know. That, you know, yeah. And, and I have to say, too, that some of the leaders who say they aren't leaders, I saw them encourage people to literally sell all their possessions, sell their houses, quit their jobs and go to Ottawa 
to make this final stand because this was the last chance. And I heard a couple of people actually say in videos and social media posts that they did that. So they've gone all the way down there. I also spoke to a woman who went to Toronto early when this was supposed to be coming together and the cops set up their barricades down there. And she was extremely frustrated because in the end, in that first week, nothing happened. So she reached out to me and, and, and told me how incredibly frustrated and actually angry she was that she kind of got encouraged to come down to participate in the whole thing. And then nothing happened. So people making this commitment to go and then nothing happens. People very frustrated. And I certainly understand that. I, uh, I feel for the people who have sold their houses to do this and end up with 16 cars um, to, to drive around sort of the Ottawa area today. I, I don't know, man. I, I was saying, I've said for a long time, uh, be careful who you follow uh, because these guys, they, 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 this is, let's just face it. This is not, a, this is not a success. No, no, it's not. And uh, I also would go as far as to say it's designed to be like that because the narrative is always controlled on both sides. And like, you know, just giving the example is that with those drag queen story time things, both Rebel News and Anti-Hate Canada benefit equally from those stories just telling a different narrative. That's all. And then Benai Brith is laughing in the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, my goodness. Okay, so, of course, we all know about Agenda 2030. We know about the World Economic Forum. We know about Klaus Schwab, and we know about all of these things that they want to do to us to make us eat the bugs. Um, and, and you have uncovered uh, some other elements to this on the other side that you think, I, I guess, they're, they're pretty interesting because you've got something... Uh, that you've been that you want to tell us about called gather 2030 what what is that matt so um gather 2030 um there's a page on substack gather 2030 substack whatever you can just find that and um if when you go on there and you look at its blueprint it'll say that the leader is the quote-unquote spirit of freedom but it seems like the majority of those articles appear to be written by Maggie Braun, right? Maggie Hope Braun, for those that are familiar, I think she has been in the NCI and as well testified um, in the emergency inquiry for the truck convoy. Okay. So, um, so that's where you can find that name, Maggie Hope Braun for anybody um, looking. Sure. I, but, I remember, I remember Maggie Hope Braun testifying at the um, emergencies act inquiry. Uh, right, right. I think she was there when I think she was beaten by police. Actually, she testified. Yeah, was that. something that availed. She she was threatened or beaten. I I am not totally sure, so I don't want to say something if I don't know. But um, basically, like I was talking about building an alternate system, and how I said there's a sort of chaos faction to this and an order faction, for lack of better words, the chaos faction being you know the non-boy. And then the order faction being something like Gather 2030 and also Civis for Freedom. 
which was mentioned by Jeffrey in that uh, in that thing where he explained the shame on Parliament non confidence initiative, right? So is it this Gather Twenty Thirty? What is this like a uh, a gathering of like freedom oriented people who are sort of trying to come up with alternative ideas to help build a parallel society in opposition to the, 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 the world economic forum and agenda 2030 where they're focused on sort of degrowth. Yeah. So at face value, it would appear that um, they're looking for solutions as a result of, um, things like that that you had mentioned, like dealing with Agenda 2030 and those sorts of things. And there's actually some good information, too, that does bring it down to its localized level, down to like ICLEI, I-C-L-E-I. People can look up that acronym if they so choose. I don't know what it stands for, but it's one of these things like a global covenant of mayors type of a thing, right? It's one of these... Um, localized agenda 21 type of projects if you will so she breaks things down to that extent right um but the thing that i find interesting is that it seems like you're advocating for a sort of form of direct democracy and um you know it and to me i kind of i look at when i look at direct democracy for lack of better words i look at switzerland right and sort of how their political system um sort of works and also Martin Brodman is from Switzerland, fun fact. And basically in that whole shame on parliament um, thing that was uh, being spoken about by Jeffrey there, he mentioned working with Civis for Freedom and then mentioned um, Maggie Braun. So Civis for Freedom is ran by Martin Brodman, whose name was on the MOU in the truck convoy that had James Memorandum of understanding that the government took exception to because they saw it as a an existential threat to the government, which is one of the things that they pointed to to justify the use of the Emergencies Act to shut the Freedom Convoy down. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, just like, I mean, in my opinion, looking at that document, it seems very much like they tackled the narrative of the scandemic, but didn't. Um, you know, tackle agenda 2030 or any real agenda or goal. You know what I mean? Just because the whole idea of wearing masks or being coerced into taking, you know, this medical procedure or whatever, um, that's only a small, that's only a sliver of a whole giant pie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so what is it you're saying here about agenda or gather 2030? Is this like a, a something we should be looking at because it's, a bad thing or just a thing that they are working on to counter what the, the globalists are trying to do to the population? Well, it, it would appear at face value that it seems as if they're trying to stop globalism and things like that. And there's a section that talks about parallel organizations, which it's never stated as to some of the organizations as to their direct involvement or not, but just taking ideas from and those organizations range from like Action for Canada to like a warrior calls Christopher James, right? Like two polar opposites, right? So the thing that had me concerned now to answer your question was direct democracy in and of itself because so a couple of things here is uh, I think I said here last time, but I'm going to sound like a broken record. Democracy, according to Plato, was the final step before tyranny. Because what would happen is you'd have an aristocracy, which would be a small council of people making decisions, 
which then goes to a democracy, which is where people are kind of like um, claiming what's theirs, conquering like Alexander the Great. And then after a democracy, you have an oligarchy, which is where the rich are ruling. And then at that point, people complain and go, we all want to say. So then democracy comes into place. And then the final step then after democracy, once, once everybody feels they have a voice, because democracy is not democracy is not a term that is synonymous with freedom. It just means that everybody has a voice and everybody participates. But when you factor in subliminal messaging and, all, and a lot of the crap that you cover on your show, for lack of better words, that's not really even true democracy or freedom, really, at the end of the day, right? Because you are controlling a message where you're trying to give the illusion of freedom to people, right? So, because what you're saying is, if people are manipulated through mass media or social media, then they're not truly free because you're not truly free in your mind. You're being channeled, directed to take a particular action, and you don't necessarily have actual free will. Yes, exactly. And so, this kind of concept is actually touched on. I, I don't know if you watched any of my last couple videos or what uh, yourself. But I included a link in my last video that's a 2016 article about the, from the World Economic Forum talking about digital ID, but they just call it electronic ID in the article, EID, right? And um, basically, in order to bring about this digital ID or electronic ID or whatever, they would need to bring in some kind of system that is a combination of direct democracy and representative democracy, right? And so then when you read the article a little bit further and you go into how voting works, right, it says you can vote yourself or you can choose a delegate to vote for you, right? But under certain circumstances, you may not be allowed to choose a delegate, which is almost like saying, here's our social credit system. So, you, you, with, so by direct democracy, what you're talking about here, what they're talking about, if I get this right, is you would have people voting on issues not voting for necessarily politicians or government but you would be able to vote on new legislation new ideas new laws yes or no different things it's, directly it's right it's almost like passing the illusion to its citizens that its citizens are also part of its government structure if that mm -hmm. makes sense that's sort of like the, the way I kind of look at that, because if they're the ones almost, it seems like they're directly overseeing the decisions, right? Um, then you kind of are giving out that illusion, right? But then you factor in that you have other people, you know, able to just choose whether you can vote or not, or, you know, you can't even be a part of this system. That's when you have the social credit aspect to it, right? That's not, that doesn't even really comply with direct democracy. But basically what I'm saying is, that's just a stepping stone toward um, a further agenda, if you will, right? Like if you and I see, you know, a piece of critical infrastructure blow up, like if you and I hypothetically saw a Privy Council blow up, right? We'd be like, oh my God, what the hell's going on? But some people would be like, oh my God, that's awesome. You know, we don't have to deal with that kind of corruption. You know what I'm saying? We can see the same thing, but have two totally different perspectives. That's true. Yeah. Not to not, and I don't mean to. I hope I'm not sidetracking the conversation here too much. But I mean, so we're we're exploring the concept here. We're not advocating necessarily for dem direct democracy by talking about it, or we're saying that it shouldn't happen. But I will come with this. I see a lot of problems 
with direct democracy. I think it would be, it would inject a lot of chaos into the system. It would, uh, um, I, it, I don't think it would give people any greater voice than they honestly have right now, because they're still going to be subjected to the same kinds of manipulations and, um, and mental control through advertising, social media, uh, whatever. So I, I see the exact same problems present in a system like that, and even more so because uh, then people are they have to vote every every time you turn around. And I would say things would be in a constant state of change because people would never be satisfied. Um, you'd, you'd get almost no stability when people are constantly voting on every single thing, and you need to have a large percentage of the population engaged in the process at that point as well to actually make it work. Otherwise you would end up with the tyranny of the masses where a handful of people who are engaged politically would be there voting all the time and would essentially take over the system and the country because they would get the vote out every single time. And the other people who maybe are working or who the heck knows why, or maybe just not inclined to um, wouldn't, but anyway, that those are sort of the surface issues that I see with it. And my question would be then if, you know, if democracy is not true freedom, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to throw democracy away because I have to ask what would it be replaced with? And anything that I can see as an alternative is worse. Well, I am, I am inclined to agree with you on that notion. I'm, and I'm not trying to say that I was ever against the notion of a democracy either. I was just talking about it in the sense of it working like a platform or stepping stone for people with dark and nefarious intentions. And I, I do think that everybody should have some kind of say or voice, right? I'm not all for the idea of an aristocracy where you have, you know, a small group of people only making decisions, right, if you will right at its face value but that is just kind of inevitably what would end up happening with a direct democracy if you think about it based off you know people's engagement with a political system right and then like you said people will be turning around to vote on everything every t every two damn seconds right mm -hmm. and um yeah so but if you just kind of combine the idea of a direct democracy with a digital id you have um total control over a population really um at least total control over um bureaucratic decision making in that in that case right yeah. so talking about if somebody has access to food and other things is a whole different whole different playing field yeah so. i mean this is uh this is a an interesting conversation that that could go into you know great depth you know the 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 pros, the cons, the advantages, the uh, the ins, the outs of democracy and what alternatives yes. there might be. This is something we should probably explore in, in greater depth in another program, uh, because, you know, I see here in the chat, some people are commenting and saying things like Alma says, well, that's basically what's happening now. And I think Alma is making reference to me saying that, uh, you know, even with direct democracy, you don't really get if, if you, you know, if you people are being manipulated, you're getting it both ways anyway, direct democracy or through the, through the same kind of democracy. But we get, I think we have more stability is what I'm saying. Yes. In, yes. in the system we have now than we would the other way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I just think that this initiative is kind of 
maybe perhaps even built to collapse. I don't know, you know, and I'm not sure, again, if these people actually know how a vote of non-confidence really works. And, you know, maybe you're a little bit more savvy with the political structure than me. And perhaps could you identify, could you maybe adapt on that, uh, like a little bit? Because it seems like I'm really unsure about like the direction in which these people at Gather 2030 are really taking things with this, right? Because again, direct democracy just seems like a platform stepping stone for the WEF. You know what I mean? So. So, sorry, were you asking me a question? Yeah, I was just kind of asking, like, how does a vote of non-confidence really work exactly? Oh, so like a vote of non-confidence. Okay, so a vote of non-confidence would be like with the Emergencies Act. When that was implemented, it was only allowed to stay in place for a certain amount of time, and then they had to have a vote to to get an extension on that approved. A lot of people thought once the Emergencies Act was invoked, which was the modern equivalent of the War Measures Act, which was used during the Freedom Convoy to essentially shut it down, um, a lot of people thought, well, that's it. Then it's just like martial law, like forever. No, they have to have a vote in order to have it extended because the, the government can impose it unilaterally, arbitrarily without going to the house of commons for a vote. Because if you're dealing with a war or an invasion or something like that, or a, an, a, an imminent emergency, you don't have time to respond in order to serve the public. So they have to have a vote. So they, they had a vote, but if that vote if that had been defeated, that would have been a, a major, um, that, that's something that they're voting on that's a, a major thing. So if the government is defeated on an attempt to have something passed in the House of Commons that's viewed as a major piece of legislation or the use of legislation in this case, then that can become an issue of non-confidence or an issue of confidence. And then you, if, if the opposition wants to, they can trigger a vote of confidence in the House of Commons because it's essentially saying, you wanted to do this major thing to the people and we just had a vote and we showed that in the House of Commons, among the members of parliament who represent their constituents, represent the common people, in the House of Commons, we just showed that you don't have enough support among the people who represent the people. And therefore, we want a vote of confidence to determine if indeed you still have enough confidence, you still have the confidence of the House in order to still actually govern the country and govern the people. Because the people no longer support you. The people who represent the people no longer support you on this major issue. So do you really have a mandate from the people at this point? We better vote on this. And if you're, de if you're defeated on this vote of confidence and it ends up being a vote of non-confidence, then what we've shown is that you do not have the confidence to continue governing. So we need to now go to the people for an election. And that triggers an election at that point. Then the prime minister has to go see the governor general and say, governor general, we've lost this vote of confidence. We have a vote of non-confidence in the government. We have to go to the people. They have to decide now if we 
can continue to govern, we have to have an election. So we have to dissolve parliament and the governor general then signs off on that. And away we go. We go back to the polls and the campaign is off and running. That's the way a vote of non-confidence works. And that can happen on various pieces of important legislation, especially and including a budget. A budget is a major piece of, uh, of, of legality that is dealt with in the House of Commons. It has to pass in the House. It has to be approved by a majority of uh, the, the sitting members of Parliament. If that's not approved, how can you run the country if you don't have a budget? You can't. So at that point, it becomes an issue of confidence. That triggers a vote of confidence. If they lose that, they go to an election. Now, if the, the government still wins the vote of confidence, they can still stay in power, and then they can go back and work on changes to the budget in order to get the votes they need to, to have the budget approved and continue governing the country. But that's how a vote of non-confidence works. People generally don't understand it. It doesn't happen terribly often, but it, it does it does happen from time to time. It has happened you know, many times over, over the history of the country. But it's things like budgets, mostly, that trigger something like that. That's what triggers an election. For a campaign like this with the people marching around with the uh, um, you know, the banners saying that we don't have confidence in you, that is not sufficient. I'm not exactly sure how they think that this is going to lead to a vote of confidence in the House of Commons. You need to trigger something within the House in order to facilitate it. And I don't think they fully understand the process. But I welcome the opportunity to get somebody on here to explain what what their actual plan is. I'm just not clear on how what where their path toward that is. I hear people say this all the time. We're going to have a vote of non-confidence as though people seem to think that, and I think they're getting it from these common law pseudo legal gurus who are filling their heads full of this stuff. Well, we'll just have a vote of non-confidence and then the government is gone. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't quite work like that. And just because you have a vote of non-confidence, even if the government loses a vote of non-confidence, they can go back to the polls, they go to an election, you could still end up with Trudeau again if he wins the election. So he's not just automatically gone. And we've seen that happen in the past too, where the sitting government loses the vote of confidence, you go to an election and then they get reelected anyway. So that's the way that works. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for breaking that down. I appreciate that. And uh, I'm sure your audience does too. Um, yeah, it's just because again, like I, it just seemed very much like, I don't know, uh, to what extent they were even being involved, uh, being engaged with local politicians. I just knew that they were putting up the signs. So that's why I kind of asked you the question really, like I wasn't really sure where exactly they were going, but, um, did you say you want to move on to another subject? Yeah, I there, should just or? I should just mention that what happened too with that Emergencies Act and um, the use of the Emergencies Act. The government yeah. Trudeau knew, like they survey the members of Parliament, right? And so when they were voting on the extension, going about to vote on whether they would extend the Emergencies Act, they knew they did not have the support in the House or in the Senate to get that passed. So. Before the vote took place, Trudeau 
ended the use of the Emergencies Act so that the vote didn't have to happen. And then you didn't get the vote of confidence. So he avoided it by getting, by, by revoking the Emergencies Act. It came to an end before potentially his government was put under pressure to go to the polls. Right. That's what happened. Yeah, I guess uh, some people would say that certain things are just fixed, I guess, right? I mean... Uh, well, strategy, right? He knew um, mm -hmm. that the conservatives were going to push it, and he didn't have the support even among his own liberal members of parliament, because it's a very serious thing. Those, A lot of those members of parliament, they didn't want it to continue. They didn't want the use of the Emergencies Act. It wasn't, there wasn't, you know, universal support within government for the use of it. Uh, and, and especially the continued use of it beyond that. So, yeah, that's just the way it went down. Other people will spin it in various ways and make it sound even more sinister than it was. And I was totally against him using it at all. I didn't feel that it was necessary. I, I said that it was, uh, um, I said that the day he used it was the day Canada died uh, because you have a, you know, an authoritarian in power who uh, abused his power to the point where he actually invoked the Emergencies Act, used the modern equivalent of the War Measures Act against his own people. So, of course, he didn't have full support of the House or the people of the country. And so if he was going to be tested on it, he was going to lose. And he realized that when he surveyed uh, what level of support he had and he, he backed out before he lost control. Yeah, I mean, uh, though I'm I'm inclined to, you know, take this a step further and just say that I, I think the the truck convoy was, you know, pre-planned well well before its its date. And um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people would also just give you a different answer of who the organizers were and stuff like that. One person says Tamara Leach, another says Pat King or Tom Marazzo or Bridget Belton or whatever, right? And so um, with the message being, you know, that unclear and it supposedly being grassroots starting from the ground up type of a thing, you know, it just, to me, it, it just seems kind of odd that like, wouldn't people have you know maybe some kind of central name or have some kind of idea not you know um three to five different ideas you know so that's just kind of kind of my take on that but that's a whole different uh rabbit hole there um what is it you want to talk about next unless you want me to adapt a little bit on some of the like the the background of some of the people involved in civis for reform or adapt 2030 well is there like is there real value in in digging into uh, any of this stuff um where where will this take us if we start talking about the people involved is it gonna i mean something I mean, I don't think it'll reveal a whole lot other than other freedom-related projects in hindsight that they've been connected to. And I already brought up the MOU, which I think was, you know, the the important piece there. Um, mm -hmm. It's just really, yeah, no, it was really the direct democracy thing I thought was the important piece to bring up, just simply speaking, just because it's like that sort of the road to tyranny based off of what I was reading in that World Economic Forum article, right? 
And I do think that, um, you know, direct democracy is a platform for tyranny. And if you combine that with a representative aspect and incorporating digital ID into this whole equation, then you just have a form of tyranny and control really is what you have. And it isn't representative of democracy or freedom. So um, that's just really what I kind of wanted to get at because it seems like a lot of their initiatives seem to push in a direction that leads to something more in line with a direct democracy than a representative one. So, yeah. Yeah. I've got, well, that, I've that's the thing. That is the thing about the, I think the, you know, the, the freedom movement is that there is not a singular idea that people are working toward. You have a lot, you have a lot of different people with a lot of different ideas. Some of them are, only partially formulated. Some people have very loose ideas. Um, and I think that's why yeah, the, the whole movement is having difficulty achieving uh, things at this point. I think that original convoy certainly woke some people up, if you will. Um, but after that, it's been sort of um, an incremental, a win here, a win there. Um, some things have helped, but overall, it's it's sort of waning. You know, the 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 energy in it is diminishing, as someone pointed out. And you know, the, there's convoy fatigue. People are tired, and uh, and a lot of that, I think, is just that there's a lack of focus. Um, and and I, I think honestly, people have been led around by the nose by some people who are putting themselves out there as leaders, but they have really they're not very good leaders at the end of the day and you end up with 16 cars. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, putting it lightly. Right. And, you know, like, like I've said, you know, in many of my videos, right. That the narrative always has to be controlled on both sides. So there always has to be some kind of counter measure in place. And then being that they know that people have learned this formula, those countermeasures even have, countermeasures right which is why you know in the freedom movement you i'm going to very overly generalize but you have people that want like political or legal solutions and then some that have something that's totally far off like from using the the existing system in its place or something like that you know more the common law groups like you would say yeah. right and so i just think this gather 2030 initiative is almost kind of like crossing that threshold between both of those things because you can see a lot of like you can see um a lot of the platforms and things that they push have to do with either action for canada or warrior calls type of stuff you know what i mean it could be any any very broad range but i also just think that just on the last thing i think that's important to mention and it's really the only other important detail and i don't really have context for this but I had to use Wayback Machine and look at Maggie Braun's background and uh, looked at the Canada Action Party, which she was a part of, and um, and it spoke about her background and such. And she said that she volunteered for something having to do with the 2050 vision. And for people that don't know what Vision 2050 is, it's just another Agenda 2030 synonym. So I don't really have context for that beyond what I've said, but I think it's definitely a little bit strange that somebody is leading some kind of initiative like this that has experience in a kind of project that 
you know, takes on aspects of Agenda 2030 or something somehow, right? Like, I'm not sure what it was she was doing with this Vision 2050 thing, but, you know, I, I know. just yeah, think... I've actually never spoken to her, <clears throat> don't right. know her. Um, I'd certainly welcome her on the program to do an interview if it comes down to that. And I, someone had suggested that we do that about a week ago. So maybe that will happen. I don't know. Well, I do hope actually just on my personal note that you get the chance to interview somebody from gather 2030 or civis for freedom or one of these people, mm -hmm. just because I think that, you know, their, their message is a little bit unclear anyway, regardless. So, um, and you have a much bigger following than me. So, um, doing an interview might help <laughs> so yeah well we'll keep each other in the loop and uh is there anything else you'd like to to dig into to here tonight matt with regard to any of this stuff um no not not really i mean in regards to anything i've already spoken about no and i don't want to throw you off topic so much and go left right and center so um, no, I, I think I pretty well cleared the air with anything I would have to say. Do you have anything you want to ask me or anything you want to talk about before off the air here? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people talk, like there's so much, there, it, there has been so much infighting and I think even theater, honestly, that has been happening out there with this convoy that was then called the non-voy and, uh, you know, so much of it so public i think honestly some of the fighting was staged it, it 100 i'm sorry but when i say it 100 was right um i'm gonna say like two things okay one thing that i thought was a little bit strange was um you know i saw um your episode where you you had spoke about the car incident if you remember that you know somebody climbing on the car and all yeah. that right and you spoke about, you know, the windshield and how a windshield is actually constructed and hard enough to break, right? Um, what, like, what I'm getting at is it, it was kind of funny because whoever it was, I think they called and I think it was Matthew Venn, I think. He was a French guy, one of the yep. non-board guys. But he was insisting that it wasn't staged and you didn't even ask him anything about, you didn't even ask any of those questions. Right. And when I when I see stuff like that, it makes it makes you kind of go, hmm, you know, um, and just on my or just my my personal story, too, was one of their meetings that I had attended involved Kellyanne Wolf blowing up, basically. Right. And bringing up a combination of things that were something she said were legit. Some things were illegitimate. Like she brought up the email thread of a bunch of people's emails uh with marcus rays right you know stuff like that so she brought up things that were legitimate but she was talking a mile a minute not giving the other person even a chance to respond right who was gordon right not even giving gordon a chance to respond right and so i just kind of thought to myself this is kind of weird how this is all going out right but then you know then you have that car incident that that i just spoke about which is like a one up of that scenario where instead of somebody raising their voice and just interrupting a meeting you have like a physical altercation go down, right? And it's almost like you're just upping the ante gradually over time with this theater. And it also gets people hooked to some extent, right? Like with your, some people either live off that or simply speaking, it 
it drives them in the sense of like somebody who's supposedly against their message, like let's say stand for the opposing um, the non-boy, right? Is people feel like, oh, those rebels or whatever, like, you know, that rebellion, you know, we have to do something about those people. They're crazy. And then from the non-boy perspective, it's look at how much we're getting attacked, shows how valid our message is, all these people trying to bring us down. And then they just play off each other. And then the real answers are not even exposed, right? So, yeah, the fighting is 150% theater. You nailed it, man. Yeah, it's just, I think, <laughs> now this is this is me trying to figure out why. It was either to try to expose people that were not really there supporting them somehow. They thought they could do it that way by faking a big argument among the, the, the main players there. It, or it was to, I think, fake out police to make it look like they didn't have the organization that they did. Uh, they were trying because that was a big thing uh, that I saw. They were trying to confuse the police by splitting up the convoy heading to Ottawa. And they didn't want police to know how many people they had or how much support they actually had. So they were. I think faking the fighting to, to, to achieve these goals that they had. But as I'm watching it, it was like, so, here are the things that really tipped me off, right? First of all, the arguing just didn't seem real. It was like bad acting. Then you have guys singing that, um, they, in, in, they, it starts off with this group of people who are supposed to be doing a, like a addressing a, it's a, it's a live hit on social media where they're going to make a big announcement and it, it, it deteriorates into an argument over what their message is supposed to be. Like they didn't work this out before they went live. They didn't know what they were going to say. Now they're arguing about whether it should be save the children or, or save Canada or whatever. And they get into an argument over that. It deteriorates to the point where it just gets chaotic. What's that song? Um, poor man, rich man, north of Richmond or whatever. They start, a couple of the guys start singing that. Um, and, and it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Then. It, it it continues to escalate. They're arguing. Some guy runs over. Or some some guy leaves, gets in a, a beat up old piece of crap SUV thing and pulls out. There's no front bumper on this thing, okay? So what they've done is they picked an old piece of crap, a junker car that doesn't even have a front bumper on it. So they don't care if it gets damaged, right? And then this guy... As he's pulling out, he has he's confronted by someone who stands in front because he's so angry about what? Whether it's going to be save the children or save whatever. And he jumps on the hood of the stupid. I mean, it's just like was watching the A-team in the 80s or an episode of Knight Rider or Dukes of Hazard or something. The guy jumps on the hood in the parking lot and he hauls off and he punches the windshield. But you can't see. Exact because he's the guy's driven away, but in the distance you see him punching the windshield with his bare hand. Then the camera, you can't the camera cuts later out on the street. The person who was supposed to try trying to get the heck out of there didn't get the heck out of there. They stopped. 
They stopped on the side of the road, just out, out at the entrance. They were just sitting there. And then people went up there to see what was going on. And then a new live stream starts and they show the windshield and it's bashed in like it had been in some major highway traffic accident with like the windshield just caved right in. Like this guy must be the incredible freaking Hulk, right? Smashed windshield. I looked up how much force it would take to, to bust a windshield. I can't remember the numbers now, but it's like thousands of pounds of pressure per square inch. Okay. Like, and if you hit a windshield with your bare hand and bash it in like that, your hand, it, it would be like, you'd crush your hand. You break your hand. No question about it. You would break your hand. If you actually did it, even, and I'll tell you this, it, the chances of you actually doing it are very slim. It, I defy, if you think that, if you think I'm lying, uh, uh, somebody send me a video of punching, go out and punch the windshield in, in the, of the car in your driveway with your bare hand and break it. Okay. Send me the video of you doing it. If you break that windshield with your bare fist, no special effects, I'll give you a hundred bucks to cover the, uh, the, the deductible on your insurance to have it replaced. Best of luck. Send me the video. Bare, bare, bare hand, bash it, and I'll, I'll pay the deductible. You, you do the experiment. You send the video. We'll run it on here. Prove me wrong. Pretty tough to do. Very tough. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very tough to break a windshield, let alone, like, again, my first well, the first thing that I noticed was um, initially, like, when What's-His-Face was went up went up and started chanting, Justin Trudeau for treason or Trudeau for treason or whatever, right? To me, it just didn't feel natural because any, any adult, okay, any adult having, like, a civilized conversation, you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody just goes, hoorah, 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 you know, forces you into, you know, you people know what I mean? bought it, Matt. So many people bought it. They're like, oh, my God, did you see the fight? And then the, I said, I said, these people are all still friends. Sure enough, I, oh, the, the next day, the next day, I won't say who, but it was a major freedom person, made a video at, at talking about how they had all made up. What's like? Yeah, yep, of course. There it is. There, there it is. The, that's the damage control for people saying it's all theater, right? That's oh. that's all that video is right there. Straight up damage control. Uh, it was. It to me, it was funny. Oh um, oh, I thought it was. I thought it was great too because as soon as he's shouting Trudeau for treason, Trudeau for treason, you have Colin in the back going, wait, wait, wait. We'll wait your turn, and it's like the worst acting ever. And then by the time you get to the car, there's literally no fucking front bumper. And it's like, dude, like, how how am I going to believe it? And based off the yard that you're on, this is clearly a junkyard property vehicle or something or just waste you have lying around, right, of some kind. So, like, shit, it was... And then breaking it with one hand, like, come on. I saw the size of the guy. He was a pretty big guy. Punch, did he punch, did he punch, and then he fell off the the hood of the of the SUV, right? And then you go out to the road. Like, they've obviously taken a rock or something after, and, like, they bashed it in. Like, But even to do that with a rock, 
Like it takes. No, I've I've seen people with crowbars swing at them, and the crowbar like comes out of their hand. They're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, you know, it's not like Hollywood. They lie to you about those windows, by the way. Yeah, that's right. Because that's automotive (laughs) safety glass. That's like glass, like impregnated with like a sort of a, a plastic type material, so that when it breaks, it doesn't shatter. It it holds together in like a, a sheet so it cracks all through it and it, it like it turns into pebbles right uh when finally it does come apart but it'll come it'll stay as a sheet and and eventually it'll disintegrate into pebbles but but no a, a windshield like that that's safety glass and it's made that way so it doesn't turn into shards and cut people if there's an accident it's a special kind of glass and it's tough it's really strong Really, really strong. You can't break that crap with your bare hand. Well, you could if you want to break your hand doing it. Like maybe Bruce Lee could do it if he was still alive or some MMA fighter. But I don't know. It's just, you you see what I'm saying? It's just not. Yeah, no, exactly. No, exactly. And even somebody, you know, God forbid, high on PCP or something like that would probably even not be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. yeah, I mean a stone chip. You get a stone chip, and that if a stone hits it on the highway at uh, yeah. you know hundred k, you'll get a chip, right? Well, yeah, that's awesome. happened to me before. That's happened to me. So yes, definitely you get a chip doesn't shatter it, but you know that's a that's concentrated energy in a very small spot, and that's actually how you can break automotive glass. Is you need something with like a pinpoint with a lot of force concentrated in one spot. And that's how you can break automotive glass. Like uh, they have tools that you can use, right? And you can hit it with that. If you've got the tool, special escape tools that they make that you can make key, the key rings with the, you know, the emergency release thing. There, there, are, there are different things you can buy, but that's like a striking tool. It's, it's different. Yeah, well, Good luck. You've got too much, too much area in your fist. It's too spread over too large an area. So when you punch it, it bounces back. That glass yes. will give. Exactly. You sent the area, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, enough talk of that. I don't. Yeah. It's just, it was funny. It was funny. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It, it makes me laugh. And, you know, I mean, you do kind of have to have some fun with this. I mean, you know, otherwise, what are you going to do? Get invested in the drama and become part of it? Like, no, you know, and the only reason I mean, I, I do, you know, put a lot of my effort into looking into what's going on with the freedom movement is just because, you know, it has to do with the polarized narratives. And fact of the matter is, um, you know, when people are faced with something, that they don't like, like a major policy change or mandates or whatever it is, right? They're going to look for people with common interests, right? And then eventually it's going to lead their way to the freedom movement, right? Is what's going to happen. So that's why I'm there to talk about that and explore what other people, or rather I should say what not everyone would want to explore, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it's valuable. I, I, I believe in telling people the truth. Yes. And uh, it's not enough, in my view, to uh, just go along with a narrative and then call yourself a journalist. It's just not not helpful. No, that's not what real journalism is. As far as I'm concerned, that's what, you know, the word media in of itself uh, represents a Greek sorceress who casted illusions. 
so to speak, right? So, you know, you're just putting up an illusion by, you know, inserting yourself into block category and then telling slanted story. You know what I'm saying? You have to try to be as objective as possible when looking at these things and as well not insert yourself into the story, right? So... Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, so that gets almost to nine o'clock. So again, I'll just let you uh, give us a final thought there, Matt. And then I've got one other thing I want to share with people before I sign off tonight. But on this point, on this matter, I will give you the final word. Yeah, I just want to say to everybody, just, um, you know, always think for yourself, most importantly, and don't give anybody your 100% trust or put anybody or any profession or anything on a pedestal. If you can help it, do your best to be objective. And if people want to reach out to me, myself, uh, I'm on YouTube at Matt the Unseeded. And if people want to reach out to me personally on Facebook Messenger or whatever, just Matt Unseeded, simply, no the. And I'll be happy to take questions and talk to whoever, you know, um, has a concern or whatever. You know, feel, feel free to share what it is you like to. So that's just what I would like to share. So, yeah, thanks for having me tonight, Rick. I appreciate it, man. You go ahead and take the floor. All right. Thank you, Matt. It was it was fun. Um, I will just take a brief break. And when we come back on the other side, one more thing, pretty important, that I'm going to share with you tonight. But I will be right back. Okay, folks, um, if you are inclined to support the show, you can do that at maverickdonations.com or most people would do it over at freedomreporters.com. That'll take you to the PayPal um, donation link. Um, you can also donate through the Rumble Rants if you are able to do that. Certainly appreciate the support. Helps cover the bills. If we can just pay the bills, I'm a happy guy. And uh, please like, share, subscribe on Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. That's the important platform for us because that's where we're growing and we're not going to get banned over there. Uh, I do. I did repurpose a YouTube channel. So now we're on two YouTube channels, backup channels over there. Uh, so if you can find those, <clears throat> please consider subscribing to those as well. That will help us immensely. And we'll get the main YouTube channel back online probably in a few weeks. Two, three weeks, we'll be back up running and running over there as well. But we've replaced most, probably we've more than replaced the audience that we lost on YouTube already. So thank you everyone for uh, following us over to Rumble and these other platforms and for the rebroadcast over on, uh, you know, 
Cloud Hub and uh, what other ones are we on? Cloud Hub. I can't even remember them all. Anyway, there's like huge tube we're on there. BitChute. Those are the three. The other three main ones. So we're, we're over there. Um, so, yeah, you can support us that way. Also tonight. Yeah. And this this I think is is pretty important. Um, <clears throat> we're remembering. Warrant Officer Patrice Vincent and Corporal Nathan Cirillo, who were killed during those terrorist attacks in Quebec and on Parliament Hill nine years ago. Uh, so tonight, I just wanted to bring this up, put their pictures on the screen. It's so easy for people to forget, but so important that we don't. And so in their memory... I think it's uh, appropriate to have a moment of silence at the end of tonight's broadcast. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.